Hi, I'm Carolyn Grimes, and I played Zuzu in the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 171. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week... We have someone from a classic, and when I say classic, I mean really classic film, It's a Wonderful Life. Carolyn Grimes, who played Zuzu Bailey in the film, is going to be joining us today. That's right, and she will be appearing Thursday, July 14th at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California at 7 o'clock for a special Christmas in July showing. Now, she's going to be doing a talk, and, and you can ask questions. If you're going to be in that area of the Orinda, California Theater, Check it out, because it's going to be a lot of fun and a great film. So be sure to be there. And let's see. On On Screen and Beyond, we are going to be having Dee Wallace join us for an upcoming guest. And uh, if you have a question for Dee, send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And we will see about uh, getting your question to Dee. And, of course, Dee was in many, many films, including, just to name a few, E.T., and Cujo. Remember that Stephen King film? Yeah, so anyway, she's got a lot of great films, a lot of good questions you can come up with. Send them to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we'll see what we can do. All right, what do you say we get right into Remake Madness? Next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, well, Angry Birds is going to be a film that is in the works, and it's moving from your phone to the big screen. And a remake of The Count of Monte Cristo is in development over at Warner Brothers. And it looks like Disney, of course, they're coming up with all kinds of ideas about their theme parks and, and getting all those ideas out there to make them in the movies. Well, they're going to be remaking their Disneyland ride, The Matterhorn, into a feature film. Yeti and all. So be prepared for that one. Whether it'll be as big as uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, we'll have to see. That's about it for Remake Madness coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming movies. Upcoming movies, well, a biopic of the life of Rod Serling is in the works, and the co-writer of Wall Street will pen the script. And it looks like Chris Rock will star in a film called What to Expect When You Are Expecting. And the cast will also include Cameron Diaz and Jennifer Lopez. And look for Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller to join forces once again in a sci-fi comedy called Neighborhood Watch. And it's currently in the early stages, so we'll find out what comes up with that. With that. That's about it for upcoming movies. Next, taking you down to Sequel City on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, the live remake of Snow White titled Snow White and the Huntsman is now being called the first of a trilogy. So you can look for more Snow White films coming down the road. And uh, look for Thor 2 is being fast-tracked for a summer of 2013 release. And G.I. Joe 2 with Channing Tatum, will also include Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, 
as a new cast member. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a look at what's coming away on TV DVD releases. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TV on DVD, well, early in 2012, look for Adam 12, Season 6 to come your way. And on August 30th, you can look for Jerry O'Connell and Jim Belushi in The Defenders, the DVD edition. And Season 2, Volume 2 of Glee hits stores on September 13th. That's it for TV on DVD. Next, we'll take a peek at Movies on DVD, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Movies on DVD, well, Bridesmaids will arrive on DVD and Blu-ray in September, as well as Fast Five with Dwayne Johnson, and The Green Lantern will fly into shelves in October. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we have a great guest coming your way. We have Carolyn Grimes, who played Zuzu Bailey with Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed in It's a Wonderful Life, and it's a film that's going to be being shown at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California at 7 o'clock on July 14th. That's a Thursday. So uh, it's a special Christmas in July showing, and Carolyn will be there. She, of course, was in the film, and she has one of the most famous lines in movie history. That's going to be uh, something you really want to check out, because you'll have a chance to talk to Carolyn and uh, find out more about the film. But we got it right here on On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next, if you can't make it there... My guest today on On Screen and Beyond is an actress who has worked with John Wayne, Cary Grant, David Niven, and Loretta Young, just to name few. She is best known for her role as Zuzu Bailey in Frank Capra's classic film, It's a Wonderful Life, alongside Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. It's Carolyn Grimes. Carolyn, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And at such a young age, I mean, it just amazes me, the people that you worked with. Oh, I worked with some of the biggest movie legends of all time. Oh, yeah. I, I was so fortunate to have been in their presence. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you realize, I mean, you were what, s between the ages of, what, 6 and 14, roughly? Yeah, something like that, roughly. Well, actually, 4. I started when I was 4. four. Wow. And um, I had no clue. I mean, I did a movie with Buster Keaton. <laughs> really? You did? Wow, yes, I didn't and know that. I didn't know. I think my parents probably... Um, kept the information from me because uh, they just wanted me to act naturally and uh, so that's what I did and I thought all these people were my friends <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know at that age you probably wouldn't realize you know Cary Grant I mean you know I, mean, geez, I know, and John you know I started when I was four years old so I sort of grew up doing it I never knew anything different right yeah 
Well, let's, before we start, I mean, we're naturally going to talk about It's a Wonderful Life, but how did it all start? What uh, made you or your parents decide to put you into films? Well, it was during World War II, and my mother was afraid my father was going to be drafted, and she really didn't think she could live on the Army pay, and uh, goodness sake, she didn't want to go to work, so she put me to work. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how it all started. She uh, knew a friend that had an agent, and so she took me to see the agent. And in those days, the main agent for children actors was Lola Moore. And she took me to see Lola Moore, and she liked me, and she sent me on some interviews, and I got some parts, and that's all she wrote. At four years old, you probably don't remember that, or do you remember anything about it? I don't remember anything about that, no. Yeah, because that, that I mean, four I, years old. I was old. pretty young, and, <laughs> you know, to be quite frank with you, um, most of the kids were in the industry. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that was the industry in those days. We're talking about the early 40s, and, and truly, most everybody was involved one way or the other with the motion picture industry. So it wasn't any big deal to be a child actress because, you know, they, everybody in your school classroom did it pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, but from my research I found that your first film was in 1945 and it was That Night With You? Yes. And you played an orphan? Yes. Mm-hmm. So who was in that film that... That was had Buster Keaton. That and, was Buster um, It had um, Susanna York mm-hmm. and... Um, French O'Tone, and um, she sang a lullaby to me. It was really lovely, and I, I, we were a bunch of orphan kids that went and visited her for Christmas Day. Always, always Christmas, you know. Yeah, I was going to say that you, there's <laughs> a pattern there. <laughs> <laughs> and I broke an ornament on the tree, and everybody got mad. I mean, <laughs> okay, so you weren't just somebody in the background uh, as an orphan. You, you actually had some some things to do in the film then. Yes, I did. Yeah, I think Ryan was the, was the uh, maid, and uh, she was in it, too. You worked in 1946, the next year, with Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire? Yes. In Blue uh-huh. Skies? Uh-huh. Wow. I did. Yeah, they had a little bit of problem, from what I understand, of finding a little girl that looked really like Bing. And um, they were considering getting a wig and putting it on one of his sons. Oh, really? and then I came along and I got the part and oh, he was just wonderful to work with. He was so fun and I was in a, several Paramount things after that and I would, you know, be on set with him and I I know this because I have pictures that have me in wardrobe that I wore in other movies. So he he was just a really nice guy. Wow. Now, uh, you were being. Did did you actually get to work with Fred Astaire also, or no, no, I he didn't really sense. have any uh, connection with him whatsoever. I was just with Bing. It w- it's pretty much a one segment. It's a it's a pretty long segment, but it's only one segment in the film. Mm-hmm. I'm his daughter, and uh, he doesn't ever see me until I'm six years old, and it's kind of toward the end of the movie, and he comes to see me yeah. and spends a little while with me and sings me a song and this and that and that's the only time I'm in the movie but it's a nice segment and um, over the years people have done bios on him and they sometimes will 
show pictures of him kissing his leading ladies, and I'm always included in that. Really? <laughs> <laughs> now, that was in 1946. Um, that was also the same year that It's a Wonderful Life came out, correct? Yeah. Um, you know, when you make a movie, you don't necessarily make it the year it's released. Right, yeah. So um, I'm not so sure that I, you know, I think I was probably five when I did that film. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it, there was Blue Skies, there was The Bishop's Wife, and It's a Wonderful Life that were all sort of in that um, category where they were nominated or mentioned at the Oscars, you know, in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Was Blue Skies before It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. It was, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I was five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when you made It's a Wonderful Life, how old were you actually? Six. During, you were six during, did that come out the same year that it was filmed? Uh, yes, it did. it did. It wasn't supposed to. It was supposed to come out in March or April of '47, uh, but the studio head came to Frank Capra and said that the Christmas movie wasn't ready, and he wanted him to brush it up and hurry up and edit it and, and get it ready for release. And so he did, and it was released on December the 20th at the Globe Theater in New York. So a little late for a Christmas release, but. <laughs> That's that's how it, how it went. <laughs> now, do you remember how you got the part on It's a Wonderful Life? Well, I I don't really know what contributed to that. Frank Capra handpicked every single soul that was in that movie, and there were two thousand extras in that film. Wow! And they were all handpicked by him. He was um, a very very perfectionist type director mm-hmm. in sense of things like that. Yet he was not a stickler to the script. Um, oh, really? Yeah. You didn't have to do it verbatim. I mean, if something came out of your mouth that was other than on that piece of paper, you you didn't get in trouble for that. Huh. That, that's unusual because a lot of times I know the directors are you know <laughs> they want very you to... very strict You're and right. um, that puts a lot of pressure on you as an adult and a child you know i mean it's even worse as a child probably but uh it um i just think it it added to the atmosphere as a film of of everything being natural Mm -hmm. and kind of stress-free it was it was a relaxed atmosphere and it made everybody kind of perform better i think well i mean let's face it that's such a classic i mean when you talk of a classic film that is definitely a classic film. Mm-hmm. The part of Zuzu has probably one of the most recognizable lines in in all film. I would say. I mean, it's it's just such a you know pivotal point in the film, and and what you say is just something everybody always remembers. That's true. <laughs> it's a very very popular line, and um, you just see it on signs. You see it everywhere in people's homes and. All over, everywhere. It, it, it's a it's a very good feeling to know that perhaps every time a bell rings, that an angel gets his wings, mm. and maybe someone you've lost. You know, you think about it, and you think, well, they've gotten their wings. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of comforting. Yeah, and, and it's funny because, like you say, generally around that time, especially if a bell rings, somebody will say that line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they've made parodies off of it. I mean, Maxine, there, she's got a that, that 
artist is a card out that says every time a bell rings, a, a lady gets another wrinkle, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so it, it, it's been parodied, and that's okay, too. Yeah. Is there a moment in that film, uh, not from watching it, but from your actual memories that you can remember? Whether you mean making it, be it? In the making of the film? Oh, yeah, I, I remember a lot of moments, especially when he and I were in, in the bed in, in my room. Rose. That was, yeah. um, it took, you know, several days to, to put that together, and it was just really a nice, comfortable scene. And um, I think I see him put the pedals in his pocket. I mean, I don't know why Frank Capper didn't take it out unless the best I can figure is is that he probably realized that I would think, you know, my dad wasn't perfect, maybe, but I loved him very much. I think that was kind of the message, mm -hmm. because I really did stare right at him when he put those pedals in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, it, it, those two scenes, actually, that one and then the one at the end of the film are just, you know, something that will always be in film history. There's just no question about it. Uh, well, you have to think that uh, George Bailey's world totally collapsed around him. He was, he was devastated. Mm. Yet he takes the time to come upstairs to see his little girl, and he just shuts the door to the world, and it's just the love for his little girl that pours out. Right, yeah. And so that's really a precious moment and a tender moment that I'm, I know many dads can identify with their little girls you know it's 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 there's so many places in the movie where you can identify with the feelings and the actions and whatever adversities or whatever is happening because it happens in real life right. every day what was it like working with well i actually want to go through a lot of the different actors who are on there because there's a lot of uh, you know famous people on there let's start with donna reed how was it like what was Donna Reed like? Well, you know, Donna Reed was a very nice lady, um, but I actually never had any interaction with her. Mm -hmm. I never interacted with her at all. I never had a line. We never had eye contact. It was, um, I was with him doing the whole filming. Right, like, yeah. Either on his true. back and his arms, I was always with him. She might have been standing there, but I was with him, and that's pretty much what I remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the cast was amazing. I mean, you had Lionel Barrymore in there, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and Beulah Bondi, and 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 it's just it, oh Henry Travers, and H. Oh, yeah. B. Warner, and you know Thomas Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. These people, Ward Bond. Yes, I, just... you know, no. In all the years I've seen that film. I never realized that it was that Ward Bond. <laughs> you yes, know, who, it was a wagon train. Right, wagon train. And, and until I was looking it up, I said, oh, how could I not remember that? <laughs> no, and Frank Phelan was Dobie Gillis's dad. That's right, that? boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these people, uh, it was, you know, Sheldon Levine, there were just so many people that, Frank Capra knew how to pick a cast. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, you know, Everybody was so perfect for the part that they had in that film. Yes, there's no weak link. It was all just ideal. It was just perfect. Every one of them, even down to Mrs. Martini. Mm -hmm. I and mean, she was, she, I got to know later in life, and she really was 
a sweetheart, and it, and it showed in the film. Yeah. How many of the other cast members over the years did you did you ever meet up with any of them and you know talk about the the film or anything? Oh yes, um, in 1993, uh, the Bailey kids were reunited by the Target Company. Mm -hmm. They sent us on a tour across the United States, and they used "It's a Wonderful Life" for the theme in their stores that year for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And um, it was then that we sort of started branching out, and we had our first reunion in 1993 in Jimmy Stewart's hometown. Oh, and okay. so several of the cast members got together, even the guy that made the snow, Bob Lawless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was there. And um, then we had another reunion in 1996, and uh, that was to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the film. Mm -hmm. And we had one in Denison, Iowa, and then we had one in Jimmy Stewart's hometown again. Dennis and Iowa was where Mary or, or Donna Reed was born. Yeah. So uh, we got together, and unfortunately, most of those people have gotten their wings. Um, it's kind of the Bailey kids and Harry Bailey's wife and young Violet Bix, and that's about it right yeah. now that, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're still here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the scenes of the making of the film, with all the the, the kids, did of course you were like I say five six years old and and uh, but did you guys run around and get in trouble and you know? Um, I when I, I say think, trouble, I don't mean you know. Real I short. know what you mean. I know I, that was one of the, my most favorite memories was chasing and beating up on <laughs> little Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Hawkins, he he was just a lot of fun, and um, <laughs> we are very good friends today. Really? We have a yeah. special bond, and we see each other several times a year, and he's just like my big brother now. He really is, and yeah. we did have a good time together. <laughs> hmm. I, 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 re, I loved doing movies when there were other children in the film. I'm sure, um, yeah. You know, that was more fun for me during the off time. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm sure for, for a young child, it's 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 gets kind of boring, really, you know, while you're waiting to... to... Well, you hurry up and wait when you do a movie, and right. that's just, yeah. just the way it goes. But um, after we started school, you know, most of the time we were in school, and they'd just knock on the door and tell us to come uh, whenever they needed us, and then we'd go back to school. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of fun. It was in a one-room dressing room, and so everybody that was in the movie that was a kid, they'd do all their lessons, and this teacher would teach everybody. So it was kind of like a one-room schoolhouse. Does it amaze you that this film still is as popular as it probably was back then, or maybe even more popular than back then? It's more popular. It was not a success when it came out. It was a box office failure, actually. Hmm. And um, Frank Capra lost his studio, oh, Liberty Films, which produced the film. And um, <clears throat> it just, it wasn't a hit. That was the bottom line. It lost a lot of money right at the get-go. So it, it was sort of forgotten. And it uh, wasn't even thought about until someone either forgot or did not renew the copyright in the early 70s, and it became public domain. So then every little television station across America could show the movie, and uh, it, it was free 
for them to do that, and it was, you know, that's where people found the treasure of It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And, and, and in those days, it was on like 10 times on the same channels over and over again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's how it was rediscovered, and um, it's, it's, now it's more than Christmas, because I have so many fans who tell me that they watch it year-round. Oh, yeah. If they're down or in a slump or they've got a problem, they put that film in, and by golly, they feel better afterwards. So you're saying in the six, 50s and 60s, people didn't Mm-mm. watch it Nothing all the time? Nothing at all. Huh. Kind of sat on the shelf, sort of. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it seems like it's always been there. <laughs> I know. Every every Christmas time, it's on, like you say, every channel shows it. <laughs> it's it's, But now it's not that way. It's only on twice a year, usually, or however often NBC, NBC decides yeah. to put it on. And it's, uh, it's, you know, with the DVDs now, mm-hmm. you know, you can watch it, watch it anytime you right. want to. And that's, that's the fun part about having that film on a DVD, because then, it, then you're free to watch it whenever you need to. Right, and yeah. And it just... It's it's growing in popularity every year. Oh, it's yeah. more people are exposed to the film. Uh, college <clears throat> drama classes study the film. Mm-hmm. Study Frank Capra. Yeah. Because if he was a genius, and they 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 you know go through all of his um, experiences as a director, and I mean it's just it's a part of film history that is. It's really top of the line. <laughs> well, that's for sure. I mean, and, and Frank Capra films uh, were, are all great. I mean, they're all really... Well, they really were. Lost Horizon. Oh, yeah. And, um, I love that movie. That was a good movie. I, it was a great film. And you'll use the same people pretty much over and over. Because um, H.B. Warner was in that one. And uh, Thomas Mitchell. And, you know, You Can't Take It With You. That's another really good one with Lyle Barrymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same crew, sort of. And yeah. he just... Mr. Smith goes to Washington. He, he 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 understood the plight of the little man, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And he was able to portray it with reality and depth. And I think that was one of the reasons that his movies were so well re- respected by most people. The critics, however, were not that tolerant of his films, and they they sort of con- considered them corny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And too sentimental, and so forth and so on, and eventually started calling his films Capricorn. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So he was criticized by them quite a little bit, but um, in fact, in the movie It's a Wonderful Life, this was the first movie he did after coming back from World War II. And when um, Harry's wife gets off the train, Mm-hmm. At the train station, she walks right over. She's got white gloves on, and she starts eating popcorn. And that's one of those subtle messages that Capra's got throughout the film. Really? Saying, yes, this is another Capricorn movie. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to watch that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, little things like that, yeah. Huh. Yep, there's a lot of them in there. And he he knew what he was doing. He he was, like I say, he was really a genius. He mm. knew. And and he did understand the plight of the little guy. And that, I think, the overpowering Mr. Potters that we have out there today, which are many, and uh, we, as little people, uh, are, are terribly run over by these Mr. Potters. Mm-hmm. 
And that's another reason that this movie is timeless, because there will always be Mr. Potters yeah. and, yeah. and George Bailey's. Yes. <laughs> that's not going to go away. Yeah. So it just um, makes you kind of pull your your horns in and think, okay, look at what I have in my life. I'm so fortunate to have what I have, and I should be thankful for that instead of, you know, other things that you might think about. It just makes you so full of gratitude for what you have and for for family and friends and faith and the things that are important in life. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, sometimes we lose sight of that because our world becomes so small, but it kind of opens up when we watch that film and we see there's a lot more life than than what we might get caught up in right yeah and, and what amazes me is like you say the critics were you know didn't care for it they think it was corny and everything but look how many people watch this film over and over i mean when it like you say when it's on tv it doesn't matter if it's on once twice or ten times you got to sit down and watch it oh yeah <laughs> you know and, and no matter what the critics can say about it there's a reason why people are watching it. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And uh, when it came out, it was right after the war. And the timing was very poor for his movie because, let's face it, it's a dark movie about a man who's going to commit suicide. Right, really, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. So uh, that was not the mindset of the people. They were happy the war was ended. They didn't want to go to a thinker film. They wanted to be entertained, I think. And the movie that won the Oscar for the best movie of the year was The Best Years of Our Lives, which was about soldiers adapting to civilian life. Right, yeah, well, there's. And that handicap. was where their mindset was. So, you know, the movie was also marketed as a romantic comedy. Well, you know, that's not going to. You're not going to get a lot of laughs if you go to see the movie. So all in all, it was just a lot of, um, it was the wrong timing maybe for mm -hmm. that film to yeah. come out because it just wasn't the right time. People weren't, their mindset wasn't there. Well, thank goodness it did come out because. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> if, if it had never come out, I tell you, that would be a sorely missed film because. Yes, it would. <laughs> people wouldn't, well, they wouldn't realize what they've missed, but it's, 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 it's such a great film. I mean, after that, you went on and you also got to work with uh, Angela Lansbury? Yes. Well, that was before. I oh, that was before? before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I was still pretty young there, and that was. Um, um, a good a good fun time i got to play the piano and sing in that one <laughs> a little bit yeah private affairs of bellamy with george saunders and uh she was 19 years old when she played my mother so hmm. she was a beautiful woman and, and and that was also the time when carrie you worked with carrie grant david niven and loretta young in the bishop's wife no that was after well, that, that was after it's a wonderful life <laughs> there yeah, I right, was that's, seven. yeah that's what i mean that 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 was after I was after It's a Wonderful Life, yeah. Yeah. But um, the other one was before. Ah, it was before. Okay, that was the private uh -huh. affairs. I didn't know that was before. Uh-huh. But the bishop's wife was after. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And I was um, seven in that movie. A lot of people don't recognize me. I must have changed a lot in one year. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Different hairstyle. And <laughs> Something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But that one was another great movie that I love to watch myself. I, that's one of my favorites. 
Mm -hmm. That is a good movie. That's a, you know... Have to see it every Christmas. Yeah. You also got to work with Randolph Scott, Gabby Hayes, and Lon uh -huh. Chaney Jr.? Yes, I did. That's, boy, I mean, the range of, of actors that you got to work with is amazing. <laughs> I know. It was just fabulous. And, you know, John Wayne, my goodness, and all these people, the Sons of the Pioneers, and yep. Ben Johnson, all these people that, you know, you just... <clears throat> Now, They're now, just movie legends. Oh, yeah. Now, by the time you worked with, with John Wade, it was 1950, right, with Rio Grande. Right. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, do you have more memories of that, that film than, than some of the other ones? Um, well, probably so, because there was so much excitement and fun. I mean, it was a Western. Right, yeah. And we went to Moab, Utah to film it, and um, it was pretty exciting because... You know, they were Indians, and and I got to ride in covered wagons with Indians chasing me on horses, and the trucks riding along with cameras. And, you know, yeah. It's pretty exciting for a little girl. Right, yeah. There was a lot of fun things there that I got to do in that movie. Yeah. Um, really hmm. neat, neat time there for yeah. three weeks. It was really great. I don't know if you actually worked with some of these people. Uh, you worked in a film called Honey Child. It had Eddie Foy. Eddie Foy, and it had... And uh, Alan Hale Jr. Jr., mm -hmm. Now, of course, Alan Hale went on to be the skipper... On Gilligan's on Island. On Gilligan's Island. Did, yeah. Uh, did, did you ever watch Gilligan's Island when... Oh, sure. Yeah, oh. So, so did you say to yourself, oh, I, I worked with him? <laughs> you know, I did, but I didn't care, because by that time in my life... Um, it wasn't that was those days were all gone mm -hmm. and i didn't really um pay that much attention to it actually yeah, yeah. i didn't think about those things anymore because that was so far back in my life that, right yeah you know, that, uh, that was a life that i left <laughs> right yeah yeah huh. I want to finish up with just a couple of questions about you personally as far as uh, uh, films and TV shows and things like that. Uh, what is your favorite TV shows of all time? What do you enjoy watching, new and old? Well, I love The Twilight Zone. Ah, classic, yeah. Mm, I just loved that, that show. It was an Alfred Hitchcock. Um, I loved watching that show. Mm -hmm. And... Um, um, today, I I'm not so sure I really have a, a favorite. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I um, I I guess I have to say I do like that chef guy. <laughs> Which one, the Iron Chef Hell's one? Kitchen. Or, or the Hell's Kitchen? Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's he's got a couple of shows, and um, I like to cook, and mm -hmm. so I really enjoy watching the dishes dishes that these people prepare and the. They use and all that sort of thing. Now, now he's about as far from George Bailey as anybody could be. That is true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. What about films? What's your favorite all-time films? Now, other than It's a Wonderful Life, because I'm sure that's one of your top ones. <laughs> well, yes, it is. And, of course, The Bishop's Wife. But right. um, there's, I know this is awful, but um, National Lampoon's um, Christmas vacation. Oh, that's a riot, yes. <laughs> that's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I like the Christmas story. Mm -hmm. And um I I really like the Alfred Hitchcock films. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he had a talent and I really um love the endings and I just liked his films a lot. I would um 
I'd watch those. And, and I like the day the Earth stood still. I, those yeah, are all I, old. I liked War of the Worlds, the original one. Yeah, see, and, I, those um, those are great films. I, I loved uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, that was a, I mean, I have it in my DVD collection because that that was always a favorite. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It was just such a good film. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I got to interview uh, uh, Billy Gray, who was the, the boy in the film. Uh-huh. He was yeah. on the show uh, way back at the very early beginnings of On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he in uh, Father Knows Best, too? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I, I, I've met him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, very yeah. nice guy, very nice guy. Uh-huh. Well, Carolyn, this, is, this has been fascinating because uh, this is such a classic film, and I, ta- I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Carolyn Grimes, we see here every year on It's a Wonderful Life as it shows every year on TV. And it's a, it's just a, just a, such a fantastic film. And we want to thank Carolyn so much for taking the time to talk to us. She will be at the Arinda Theater in Arinda, California at 7 o'clock on Thursday, July 14th for a special showing of It's a Wonderful Life in their Christmas in July feature. So uh, be sure to check that out if you're out in the area. And... Um, you know, hopefully uh, you'll get to, to meet her. And let's see here. Once again, I want to remind you that Dee Wallace is going to be uh, an upcoming guest right here at On Screen and Beyond. And if you have a question for her, you can send it to us. She, was, of course, was in E.T. and she was in Cujo and just so many other films. But if you have a question, send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. If you get a chance, like us on Facebook. And if you also have a chance and you are on iTunes and you're listening to us, just leave a little little message on there. So the more people that could put something up there, it'll help us out because it'll get the word out, and uh, more people, you know, will hear about on screen and beyond. And you know, you know, we always want more. We always want more people listening. So uh, they might enjoy some of the different people we've had. 171 episodes. Next week we got another great guest coming your way, and that's a wrap for this week. Until then, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.